You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Morning to everybody. Uh, Joe Gavallis here with the Safe Senior Hour. Uh, uh, we will have a very, very interesting show today. We're honored to have uh, Cynthia Gibson, the um, uh, head of the Georgia Legal Services Offices in Dalton, Georgia, which is in northwest Georgia. And um, and she'll talk over about services that, uh, that, that her group or similar groups uh, offer throughout the United States. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. We, we appreciate you coming on. And, and I think before we really start going into to, to your issues, I think we should address some issues here on the uh, fraud um, situations coming up on the um, uh, coronavirus frauds. This is another scams that they're that that are taking place. And, and I'm just going to go over those real quick. Uh, We've got a uh, public service announcement from the Federal Bureau of Investigation that uh, advise uh, on March 20th that they see a rise in fraud schemes related to the coronavirus, and some of them are fake CDC uh, emails, and they advise watch out for emails claiming to be from Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or other organizations claiming to offer information on the virus. And uh, they are advising, do not click links or open attachments you don't recognize. That fraudsters can use the links and emails to deliver malware to your computer and to steal personal information. Be wary of websites and apps claiming to track uh, 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 coronavirus cases worldwide. Criminals are using malicious websites to infect and lock devices until payment is received. Something good to remember. And the uh, next issue they talk about is the phishing, P-H-I-S-I-N-G, emails. Look out for emails asking you to verify your personal information in order to receive economic stimulus checks from the government. Uh, While talks of the economic stimulus checks have been in the news cycle, government agencies are not sending unsolicited emails syncing your private information. And some of these uh, phishing emails where they're just trying to get information might be related to a charitable contribution, general financial relief, airline carrier refunds, fake cures and vaccines, and a fake testing kit. Um, and the last one that they advise is the, that uh, the counterfeit treatment or equipment be cautious of anyone selling products that claim to prevent, treat, diagnose, or cure uh, the coronavirus. Be alert 19. Be alert to counterfeit products such as sanitizing products and personal protective equipment, including N95 respirator masks, goggles, full face shields, protective gowns, and gloves. More inf- information on unapproved or counterfeit PPE, those are, again, personal protective equipment, can be found at the CDC.gov. You also can find information on U.S. Food and Drug Administration website, um, FDA.gov, and the Environmental Protection Agency website, EPA.gov. Those are all www. And um, they're advising to report counterfeit products to WWIC3.gov. This is the um, 
the center that gets all information about uh, fraudulent activities. Uh, I think that uh, that we realize that this is a nationwide, worldwide problem. Um, I'm just looking at a notice from the City of London Police where they also say watch out for uh, scam messages. Don't click on links or attachments and suspicious emails and never respond to unsolicited messages and calls that ask you for your personal financial details. Um, and they advise here if you're going to shop online, if you're making a purchase from a company or person you don't know and trust, carry out some research first. That's just common, everyday common sense. Ask a friend or family member for advice before completing the purchase. Uh, if you decide to go ahead with the purchase, use a credit card if you have one, as most credit card providers ensure online purchases. So those are um, some good, good advice. Um, and the other point, they say always protect your devices from the latest threats. Always install the latest software and apps to protect your device from the latest threats. But that's out of the London police, London, England. And then the United States Postal Service uh, came out on, on uh, March 17th and said uh, uh, that we all should be aware um, nationwide of various information and scams that follow this, this uh, uh, coronavirus-related uh, issues. And the postal inspectors say, protect yourself from the scams. One, be aware of charity scams. Only contribute to established organizations. Two, don't click on links and emails. And this is just general general advice that we tell everybody. Never click on links and emails from sources you don't know, especially those that claim to be from uh, CDC or the World, World Health Organization. Uh, there currently is, it, there, there are a lot of talks about it, but there is no cure for treatment. So beware, wary of offers for vaccines, pills, potions, lotions, or other products that claim to be a cure or treat uh, coronavirus. And never give out financial information. Don't give your financial information or personal information to anyone you don't know and don't trust. Uh, resist pressure tactics. Don't be pressured into making immediate financial decisions. And again, know who you can trust. Consult with a trusted friend, family member, or call a, a professional. Call your local sheriff, your local police, if it really bothers you. But those are some advice. And if you've been watching uh, TV here in the United States, you'll see this uh, being talked about on the news programs and um uh, and actually uh, public service announcements. So having said that, Cynthia, we got, uh, we got that information out to our, uh, to our listeners. So, um, again, I want to say welcome. And, and if you can, you know, just for our, our listeners, that uh, uh, Cynthia is a graduate of Emory University School of Law and is an Atlanta Law Fellow uh, Scholar, and that she heads up the Georgia Legal Services Office in Dalton. So if you could give us an idea about about your your organization and then your duties and uh, similar uh, type uh, groups that you're aware of throughout the country. Sure. So 
I work for Georgia Legal Services, and we are a statewide legal services program. We cover all of Georgia except the five metro Atlanta counties, and we have 10 offices around the state. The office that I manage is in Dalton, as you said, and basically what we do is we provide free legal services to um, the people that live in our service area and who qualify for our services. For the most part, what that means is your income is below 200% of the federal poverty level, and you have a legal issue that is something we handle. We only do civil law, and sometimes people don't understand the difference between civil and criminal. But basically, if you get arrested, you get a ticket, or you could go to jail, that's criminal law. And we don't handle any of that. Everything else is civil. We also have an Older Americans Act that provides the Elder Legal Assistance Program is what it's called in Georgia. But every state has this grant to provide legal assistance to elders. And so for that specific grant, there is no income limit. So we don't, if you're over 200, we might still be able to help you. It just depends upon your legal issue and whether it's something that we would be better suited to help you with or whether someone in the private bar would be better suited to do that type of work. Right. There are either legal services exist in every state and territory of the U.S. They're either called legal services or legal aid. Well, so if you do a Google search for that in your area, you will find who your local program is. Let, let's, uh, um, as, as you know, this is, Kind of geared to our senior, so our senior citizens out there. What, what age are you looking at uh, seniors here in Georgia? I know it varies in different areas, but it does vary. For our program, it's the age of sixty and up is how we define a senior. Right, and again, to talking to our listeners, we're talking about a service that you can call and and and. And usually, or, or most of the time, it's it's a free service, or cer- certainly the initial calls, right? So if somebody everything we do is free. We oh, don't charge. Okay. Ever. So uh, the um, the and they're not criminal cases, which which is fine. But when people have concerns about different issues that might be of a civil nature, um, that. Their idea is to call, and, and if it bothers them, to give you all a call and see what your guidance is, because you supply guidance, and uh, do you also take cases to court? We do. We, we provide advice. Sometimes, as you said, clients just want to get an opinion and get advice on what they should do. Other times, people have an action. They've been sued in court, or they have something that's going to require court action, um, to fix their legal matter, and we do both of those. Right. You, you talked about that it might be better in the public, in the in, in the uh, private sector. How does that work? I mean, do you have like people that will come and do things pro bono, or do 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 the seniors then have to pay for the services, or is it both? It's both. We do have some areas that we do have attorneys that will do pro bono cases. And other cases, the senior, what they're wanting is either something that we don't do. Maybe they've got a personal injury type case, mm-hmm. a wrongful death, 
a car accident, you know, something like that that is handled by the private bar, usually on a contingency fee basis. Right. And so those just aren't things we do. And then there's other types of cases. Maybe they need a bankruptcy. And we refer those out. And oftentimes those are referred out pro bono. But a lot of that just depends on whether the senior has the ability to retain private counsel or not. Right. Just uh, if you let the listeners know, I I I believe that you had um, uh, you spent some years in the private sector, so you you understand both the public and private sector. Is that correct? No, I have never been in the private sector. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm sorry, I mis, misread that. I just I, I saw something about that. So so, but you deal with private attorneys. And yes. yeah, right. Okay, and that's that's. I guess that's what I mean. Your dealings have been um, uh, that you interact in a community, and each community is different. I understand uh, throughout the country sure. here. Um, now, you talk about in the way of advice. Is this advice by is can people come in and meet with with your you and your staff, or can they? Um, or they can they do it over the phone, or what? What is your protocol on on the contacts by the seniors? Mostly for an advice type matter, it's going to be over the phone um, because, like, my office covers twelve counties, so right. we're geographically distant from a lot of the clients that we serve. If the client wants to meet with us, we do go to senior centers and we can meet with clients there. Um, but most of the advice is going to be over the phone, and the clients that we meet with in person are going to be those that we're providing more extended representation to. Okay. Well, we're going to take our first break here uh, uh, from the um, Safe Senior Hour, and then we'll be back with uh, Attorney Cynthia Gibson uh, right after uh, this break. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back to the uh, second segment of the Safe Senior Hour. We're honored today to have uh, our guest, Cynthia Gibson, from the uh, Georgia 
I want to get this right, from the Georgia Legal Services Office in Northwest Georgia up in Dalton. And, uh, and again, we want to thank her for coming on. We, we were uh, in the middle of the conversation about how, uh, in, in your specific instance, and again, I want to remind everybody, there are similar type organizations, correct, Cynthia, throughout the United States? Yes, there are. And, and and the way to do it, we were talking about what's the, the normal way, uh, just because you do a lot in rural Georgia. People got to remember Georgia's kind of, there's some rural areas. Um, it's not everything is not Atlanta or metro Atlanta and Georgia. So you get outside of Georgia, there are rural areas, which is not unusual for, for uh, an area covered by your organization or your uh, sister organizations throughout the country. So the first call or first contact would probably be by telephone, is that correct? Yes, it is by telephone and we complete an intake and get the basic information and then the case is assigned to an attorney who will call you call the person back. So there are how many other attorneys are on your staff? On my staff I have two other attorneys right now and we have two open positions. That's just in Dalton. Well, Georgia Legal Services has about seventy attorneys. Well, wow. so so you that you will get somebody will take your information and you'll get to to a proper um, uh, official or attorney to uh, to to address whatever your topic is. And I know topics are different. And uh, I know one of the the areas that we're really concerned with about seniors is their financial exploitation here. Um, can you go over some of the maybe type of cases that you've heard about? I mean, obviously, we can't get into specifics about individuals, but uh, just let our, our listeners understand the type of calls that are coming in about specific type cases. Sure. I mean, there's all different ways that financial exploitation of seniors occurs. Oftentimes, it is with someone who has power of attorney that the senior has granted to that person. And the power of attorney then thinks that gives them free reign to do whatever they want with the senior's resources, and, and that's not what the law says, and that is not, in fact, true. Um, some of the, the, the saddest cases are seniors that end up needing nursing home care, and, and family members usually convince the senior that they'll take care of them. If they just sign their property over to them, they will take them out of the nursing home, move in with them, and they'll provide all the care that they need. And so, you know, myself included, no one wants to be in a nursing home. So a lot of times people do this thinking, well, it's all right. I want my house to go to my child or grandchild anyway, so I'll do that. That seems like a good idea. Only, you know, two or three months, maybe six months down the road, the child is tired of providing the care, has found out it's harder than they thought, and they decide that they'll just evict their parent or grandparent because they own the house now and they can just kick them out. And those are some really, um, really bad cases that we see. And, and I think it's a good time to remind our listeners, when we talk about abuse, and again, the... Uh, the North Georgia Ta uh, Elder Abuse Task Force, which I'm the law enforcement coordinator of, um, we we 
we look at three areas, uh, physical, institutional, and financial. Financial being the biggest. But the biggest crime or the biggest perpetrators of, of issues dealing with financial are, unfortunately, relatives or loved ones. And one of the biggest vehicles, as Cynthia just talked about, is the power of attorney. And um, I think that, that what you just talked about is not uncommon. I mean, those cases happen like that, um, I'm sure, throughout the country. Um, I've got to ask you, and it's a big, as we speak to seniors around, well, certainly North Georgia, what I think they're surprised at is, um, is how easy it is to get into a power attorney and how easy it is to get out. Could you tell our listeners that, please? Sure. I mean, the power of attorney is just a paper document. You don't even need an attorney to do it. Right. You can go online and find the form and print it out, fill it out, have it witnessed and notarized, and there you go. you got a power of attorney. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. They're good documents to have. You just have to make sure that they're used appropriately. Right. And to get rid of a power of attorney, if you decide, I don't, I don't want this person to be my agent anymore... Under the law, all you have to do is tear it up and inform anyone that was aware of the power of attorney that mm. you have revoked it. So if your bank knew about it or other places that your agent had used it, you have to let them know that it's not any good anymore. Let, let me and ask you, really, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, I, uh, if I can, just for clarification. To enter in a power of attorney, I understand there's a form. How specific can you be? Can you have a power of attorney just for specific transactions or specific types of activity? You can. Those aren't what we generally do, um, and it's really not what a senior uses. Mm, okay. So for the, the purpose of the power of attorney, and it's actually a good thing, mm-hmm. is to avoid the need for a guardianship later. If the senior develops some type of dementia or some other type of memory issues or problems, and they're no longer able to handle their own affairs and they need help, then this power of attorney gives someone else the ability to help them. And you don't need to go down the guardianship route. Because if you don't have that, and the senior becomes unable to handle their own affairs, then your only option is guardianship. Right, and let me... takes away. um, Excuse me, and let let me just, uh, for our listeners... Power of attorney, you heard uh, uh, Cynthia just talk about, you can get your forms, you could fill it out and have it notarized. When you get into a guardianship and a cons- uh, conservatorship, is that the proper term? Isn't that through right. the courts, normally a probate court? Yes, that's a court action. Okay, so court actions versus individual separate actions. So that's what you're looking at. And I think that's why you're saying for a lot of people, the power of attorney, which is a very good document, and it's a good tool to help manage, you know, uh, issues for seniors, is done, and it's and it's there's no attorney needed. Is that correct? That is correct. There is no attorney needed to do a power of attorney. Now, we do them all the time. Um, attorneys do do them. Right. And I think it's a good idea to have it explained to make sure you understand what you're doing. And even in the the standard power of attorney, you can choose what powers you want to give your agent. So you don't have to give them everything. You can choose. But you can also do specialty power of attorney, such as 
a real estate power of attorney, which gives you the authority just to sell or purchase this particular property, and that's sort of a limited power of attorney. So, um, so the, the abuses that you have seen that that people should be aware of. One was the you talked about real estate, but the other is that that we've seen to see if, if you agree is that uh, they get on their their parents or grandparents or whatever their loved ones account and that's when possible misuse of the funds take place yes that that does happen and it, it happened a lot more during the recession we had back in 08 and 09 and mm-hmm. um when i talk to a senior and about a power of attorney and they're thinking about doing one and giving it to this loved one you know i I asked them, is this loved one self-supporting? Hmm. Do you ever have to loan them money or help them pay their bills? And if you do, then to me, that's a red flag. Because what often happens is the loved one's like, you know, I'm short this month. I just need a few hundred. I'm going to put it back. And so they, they borrow from the senior planning to put it back. But nothing bad ever happens and no one even notices. So they never put it back. And then it happens again, and then it just sort of becomes a way of life until at some point the seniors no longer able to pay their bills, and that's usually when it comes to life. That's why if people, if, if you're thinking of doing it or you want to relook at the power of attorney you gave to loved ones, and again, the I, my experience, the vast majority of power attorneys are, are very are very useful and 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 aren't aren't abused. Uh, I don't know whether you'd agree with that, Cynthia, but I, that's what we've seen. I would. The problem is, of course, I only see the bad ones. Right, right. Well, well so do we, we in the law the enforcement ones. world. Yeah, but yeah. as we speak to seniors, they they do talk about it. And a good example is a case that we had up in North Georgia, where a daughter was was the daughter of. Now, again, we, we have to remember, listeners, when we talk about sons and daughters and and uh, and seniors' kids, we're not talking about kids that are 17, 18 years old. We're talking about their kids and sons and daughters that are in their 40s and 50s and sometimes 60. You're, you know, they're in their 60s. And this daughter um, got a power of attorney from her mother. Her mother... Uh, had to start a dimension and it got worse and the daughter did just exactly like Cynthia said she got the power of attorney and then got her name put on the uh, bank account just because the power of attorney allowed her to do that and she proceeded to siphon money out started off just like Cynthia said she, this woman was going to pay it back well then she ran through all her mother's money but she had the power of attorney, so she realized she could then uh, deal something with the house, exactly like Cynthia, Cynthia said. And she got a reverse mortgage on it. So there was a big, I think there was over 50000 deposited into the account of the mother, which the power of attorney daughter had. And she proceeded to use that. And upon being arrested by the by the uh, local uh, police and sheriff's office or wherever it was um, for taking taking her mother because payments were going out and nothing was helping the mother really and uh, it turned out that the daughter was being 
uh, caught up in a romance scam. And our listeners might have heard that we've talked about romance scams. So she was stealing from her mother to pay somebody who, where she was involved in a romance scam. So it's like a domino effect. But it was like everything Cynthia said about when you see something on this type of case, it kind of it it kind of grows. It doesn't start off with people with evil intentions normally. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's true. Most of the time, it it doesn't start out with a bad intent. Well, I mean, there there's an example, and I think that the the um, the use of the power of attorney, which in our in that in that example I gave, it was used to get on a bank account, name on a bank account, and then it was used to enter into a real estate agreement on a reverse mortgage. So you can see when we talk about the power of attorney, it is a very powerful document and can be, and and that's why I think people have to be concerned and. Our advice is, is, as Cynthia just said, it would be good to talk to an attorney or call um, who, whoever uh, you deal with, at the, whether it be Georgia Legal Services or the legal aid in your community. Uh, with that, we're going to take our second break on the Safe Senior Hour, and we'll be back with uh, attorney Cynthia Gibson uh, for our third segment. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is Michael Gano with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to... The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key. And the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion? 
on America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Welcome back to the uh, third segment of the uh, Safe Senior Hour. And again, we're honored to have Cynthia Gibson, uh, attorney, and uh, uh, where she heads the Georgia Legal Services Office in Northwest Georgia. That's up in Dalton. And uh, we appreciate you coming on, Cynthia. And, and we were talking about um, financial exploitation type cases and the power of attorney. And uh, and I think everybody um, will realize that by granting somebody a power attorney, it's a very powerful document. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. And there, there's other things that people can do. Um, a lot of times I see seniors, like, put kids on bank accounts, and they do that so that if something happens to them, if they were to pass away, the child would be able to access the money. Right. Um but there's a, a form you can fill out at the bank that is payable on death that you name your beneficiary for your bank account. Hmm. And then that person can still get access to your money, but not until you pass away. And it helps avoid issues with possible fraud or exploitation. It can also help avoid if your child gets sued, that bank account can get garnished for their debt. So there's, there's other options, which is why it's a good idea to get some advice before you make up your mind how to go. Right, and that's, you know, you can go to advice, get, you know, through an attorney that you know, or to, uh, to call, um, whether it be the uh, Georgia, uh, an organization like the Georgia Legal Services or, or, or Legal Aid Services in your community. I think that that's important. Um, I do want to go into an area that's been very prevalent in the news now, and that's when we get into uh, institutional uh, cases, um, and a lot of times involves abuse. Um, what what has been your experience with seniors calling about issues with nursing homes or assisted living homes or things like that? Most of the issues that come out of of institutional facilities are going to be neglect or physical abuse, not so much the financial right. abuse mm-hmm. in those home, in those situations. And, you know, there's situations where the residents aren't getting the care that they need, um, and the, even worse are those who are actually being abused in the home, either wow. by another resident or by staff. And, and you see those people call in and, and look for uh, assistance on matters like that. Is that correct? Well, the only cases like this that we see are the very minor cases that right. come through the ombudsman because private attorneys handle the nursing home type litigation cases where they're, they're suing nursing homes for neglect or wrongful death. But or abuse. Yep. Yeah, but a senior could call and get some consultation if, and you could kind of direct them where to go. And it could be to the ombudsman program, or or it could be, you know, to a private lawyer. But but at least they're talking to somebody in your office that understands uh, the issues, and it's they're not making a rash decision. Is is that pretty good advice? 
Yes, I mean, we could definitely provide advice. You know, some of the, we hear all kinds of complaints, and some of them are, are in, they're all important, but some of them are more minor as far as physical danger. And um, those are cases that would be more appropriate to get the ombudsman involved and try to resolve uh, right. Whatever it, the issues are. Yeah, just for um, for our listeners who might not be aware, can you just give us a brief description of what the ombudsmen do or what what their duties are from your uh, from your point of view? Sure, it's a long term care ombudsman program, and they, as far as I know, I believe they're in every state. Right. I and what they, they do is that they are advocates that visit the nursing home. They're advocates for the residents. They don't work for the nursing home, and they visit every long-term care facility in the state, and they're there if there's a complaint or a problem. They help to try to resolve the problem, and if they can't get a resolution, then they will refer it to a legal aid organization or to a private attorney. Uh, And... I know, um, and we've had uh, Mel- Melanie McNeil on here, who's the state of G- state of Georgia's long-term ombudsman, and 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 uh, I believe she has said that they are in every state. But you know, a lot of these complaints that that people and, and well, let me back up. We advise people if you have some concern, contact a professional. And raise it. You don't want to have this on your conscience that something happened, and that uh, you didn't tell somebody what was going on. And uh, um, so, in that in that case, I tell an ombudsman or call a, a lawyer at at one of the, at the legal services office or legal aid offices in your area, and just talk about it if it bothers you. And and I know some complaints can be as trivial as they don't like the food or the food was not hot or something like that. I've heard that. But it also can be that, you know, they're not feeding me the food that, that I thought I would have. They're not giving me my medication. These are the type of complaints that, 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 that you out there, the listeners, if you hear that, that you should bring it to some professional and, and try to get some guidance. Um, What's your thoughts on that, uh, Cynthia? I agree, and there's really no wrong door. So you can call us, you can call the ombudsman, because we know each other, and if it's more appropriate for the other, then we'll make the referral for you right? and, and get you to where you need to be. And and I think that, that especially in this day and age that, that are going on, that that it takes, it takes a whole lot of people to be to, to to take care of our seniors that in terms of it's not just a person or or a group it's you know relatives it's close friends it's fellow fellow people from their faith based um, uh, community uh, it's it's anything like that 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 where you see and have a reason to believe there's some issues and again when once you call the the the, the legal uh, services office or legal aid offices they, they'll direct you to the right person or they'll help you what you have to do and th- and this th- and again right we want to stress right uh Cynthia, that this is a free service correct yes everything is free and it's for seniors over 60 is what yes. is what we're talking about today so that that's great uh, 
Let, let me ask you concerning um, uh, issues in the home dealing with uh, like self-neglect or things like that. When a neighbor goes over to see a, uh, a, a friend and they just think the conditions are so horrible and I've heard stories about it, uh, do you get any contacts like that or have you heard stories like that? I have heard stories like that, and usually the contacts where we get those cases are landlords, if the person's renting, and then the landlord's wanting to evict them due to the conditions. Um, What I would recommend, if if you saw that and you had a friend, is to make a report to your local Adult Protective Services program, right? um, because those reports are confidential. You're shielded from liability, so there's no downside to making a report just stating, I'm concerned about this. And then they can have a professional go out there and meet with this senior and maybe get them some services that they need that could help them. Now, the senior could say, I don't want your help. Go away. And they have the right to do that. Right, right. No, I, I, I totally agree, and I think it's a um, – um, but, again, you're telling somebody, and that, that's important. Could you go over uh, um, this bit about ev- eviction from a residence or eviction from a – nursing homes? I've, I've heard about that. Can, can you kind of talk that over about what seniors, what they're – or what anybody's rights are, I guess. Can can you or, or 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 examples that you've seen like that? Sure. Well, they're they're different. So oh, okay. if you're in a nursing home and the nursing home wants to evict you, what it's called in that situation is a discharge. Okay. Involuntary discharge, and they have to give you written notice of that. Oh. And when they give you the notice, they have to also give the ombudsman notice, and the ombudsman then sends it to us. And they have to have a legal grounds to discharge you. So there has to, they have to have a basis under the law, and they have to do appropriate discharge planning. And that's usually where it all falls apart, because they often the, the facility's answer to discharge is, well, we're going to send you back to whoever you were living with, whatever relative you were living with before. Right. But that relative is saying, I can't provide their care. I don't have the skills, I don't have the ability, the house isn't handicapped accessible, they can't come back here, but that's their plan. I've seen plans they're going to discharge them to homeless shelters. Mm. And, you know, so that's one of the arguments we usually make is that this discharge plan is not appropriate. You have to find an appropriate placement. You can't just put them out on the street. Right, right, which is sad. I mean, that's a sad story. But the reason for the discharge, what have been some of the reasons that that you've heard? Well, most common is non-payment. That's going to be the most common reason. But there's all kinds of reasons. Sometimes they decide that the resident's just too much trouble. Hmm. They're too difficult. That's and they sad. don't, they're tired of dealing with them. Um, we just had one recently where... They didn't like a resident's online presence, so they wanted to discharge. And um, there's, but it's it's usually either the resident is causing them trouble, right? 
sometimes facilities don't do their homework that they're supposed to do initially, and they don't find out that they don't actually have this, what they need to provide care for this resident. Mm. But once they accept the resident, they have to come up with what the resident needs. That's on them because they're supposed to do an assessment before they ever accept the resident. Right, and this is, this. when you're talking about this, we're talking about, I know, nursing homes, which are covered by one set of laws, but like assistant living or some of these personal care homes, um, does, does, the, does, the, does the resident in your, and I might be getting into the weeds here, but don't residents have certain rights that, that uh, an appellate right or whatever it is internally to, to challenge this, or do they just have to accept it and then go to court and then fight it out? They have the right to appeal the notice, and they have a right to a hearing, and it's an administrative hearing. Oh, okay. In Georgia. Okay. And so it's a, a hearing before the OSA, the Office of State Administrative Hearings, and that's often those are held at the facility because the resident can't go sure. to the location. But that's where we get involved is at the hearing level. Okay, so the again, I, I, I this is all new to me. It's very interesting. So I, I'm just going to pick a date. You get a notice on on, on February the first that uh, we're discharging you. Is there a time frame? Um, I mean, does that, does that person have to get out in 15 days, 30 days, or there's an appeal right? So even though they say leave on February 1st, that they're, you're not just taking a senior that's just laying in bed and just throwing them out. That there is a there's no. a time frame. Is that right? I'm, I'm I I don't I'm just yes. asking that. Okay. For for most discharges, it's a 30 day notice. So if they send the notice on February 1st, they're telling you you have to leave on March 3rd, assuming it's a 28-day right. in February. Um, so it's a 30-day notice, and then you have the right to file an appeal to that, and then a hearing will be scheduled, which is going to generally delay it further. Right. Because you're not going to get a hearing scheduled within that 30 days. Um, there are some exceptions where they can do an immediate discharge, but it's still not really immediate. You still have the right to request a, a hearing. Well, I, I, I think... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you, this is very interesting. If you could, you know, I'm sorry. Continue. That's okay. That's only if they're alleging that the resident is a danger to themselves or others. Okay. That they need a more immediate action. Well, what's very interesting to me is that there is time for if a senior is capable or they're guardian or their loved one or their relative has time to contact certainly your office or an attorney or the ombudsman to so so these rules and their rights are explained to them isn't that fair i mean nothing happens they get a discharge notice they're not out on the street the next day no no and and the the appeal rights are in the the notice they get the notice of discharge tells them how to request the hearing and for nursing homes, the good part is that the ombudsman also gets that notice. So there's another third party who's hmm. a- advocating for the resident who can who will also follow up on that. 
Well, I, I think that's great. I, I just because I know some seniors, um, depending on on, on on their condition, that they'll panic. Oh, I'm just being thrown out tomorrow. Well, you you might be being thrown out or asked to leave, but but there is time to consult a professional, be it an ombudsman, be it you, be it their own attorney, or somebody, so so that. This is not such a traumatic experience for the senior because I can imagine being in a nursing home and, as you say, most people don't want to be there anyway and say, okay, you're discharged and to where, to who? You know, I mean, it's a big shock to the senior. So I, I certainly applaud what you all do, and, and, and that's what the time frame is, right? That's why it's a, an, a time for an appellate issue that there is days – and maybe even months before somebody's actually got to leave normally? Yes, it's usually going to be at least six weeks. Oh, okay. If an appeal is filed. But, you know, an interesting situation is when you have a senior who says, great, I'm, I'm thrilled they're discharging me, I want to leave. But they have no plan. Right, and what do you do with them? But, uh, you know, I... But I, they don't want to challenge the discharge because right. they want to be discharged. No, no, I, I understand, it, and, and there's so many different twists and turns on this. But that uh, um, was a a good uh, a, a good discussion here, and and we're going to have to take our our, uh, our our break from the third segment, and uh, and then we will be back with uh, Cynthia Gibson, the uh, um, with Georgia Legal Services here, uh, uh, right after uh, our uh, break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back to the final segment of the Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis. And again, remember our motto, Elder Abuse uh, motto. Our, our statement, older abuse doesn't report itself, and we're honored uh, uh, to have as our guest today Cynthia Gibson, a uh, 
attorney with the Georgia Legal Services Office. And uh, uh, Cynthia, we were just talking about uh, people being uh, discharged from, uh, like, nursing homes. And um, um, I was just just curious about people who come in or talk to you. Can, can you kind of qualify who basically is? Is it relatives? Is it the actual senior or a concerned citizen? Who contacts you to, to initiate uh, help? Um, it's often the, the senior themselves. Uh, if we're not talking about someone that's in, a, in long-term right. care, it's usually the senior. Uh, for long-term care, it could be the senior or it could be a relative or the ombudsman because sometimes the seniors can't speak for themselves. So it could be adopting someone else. And, and again, this all starts with a telephone call or can. Yes. And and then and then it gets put off to the it gets put to the right uh, person to, uh, to to discuss it. Um, do do you um, just for Georgia? But this is a, I would think every state would have the same thing. Do you have a, a, a statewide like website or is there an eight hundred number or anything that you would suggest yes. people to call or, or look it up in their own area? Well, like I said, for, for outside of Georgia, I would suggest just Googling legal services to get your local providers. But for, for Georgia, we have a website, which is www.glsp.org. You can actually apply for services on that website, or you can call 833-457-7500. And that's statewide. And they'll direct you in Georgia, and that's probably every state has something like that, wouldn't you think? Yes. Well, I, I mean, the, the services, I mean, especially, and I, and I want to just remind our, our seniors out there that this is a free service. Uh, uh, the question is, where do you get your funding from? Is this a, a state-funded, federally-funded, or just uh, donations, or all the above? <laughs> It's all the above. We have both federal grants, state grants, and private donations. So for the senior out there that has some issues that they're looking at that um, or their relatives that they're just perplexed what to do, this is a great source of information. It's a, it, it is something that, you're, that you should take advantage of. And especially a lot of things and a, a lot of specifics that the you know citizens don't really know all the details. This is new to everybody, uh, especially when you have a loved one that's about to uh, have some issues that you know maybe you haven't ever had to deal with. You might have heard about them, but now you have to get down to looking at documents, creating a document like the power of attorney, or signing up. Uh, one of the concerns I've heard, and, and maybe you can clarify it, is that, you know, uh, this idea where the government and, and will take your assets before they put you in a, in a nursing home. Are you aware of some claims like that? I, I don't even know if that's true, but that's a, if it isn't, it's a myth out there, you know, where you, they check your assets and, and then they'll ha- possibly try to have you sell them or what. Are you familiar with anything like that? Yes. What you're talking about Ooh. is Medicaid 
a state recovery, and oh. every state has this now. Hmm. But they're not going to take anything, um, especially while you're living. But what happens is if you end up needing long-term care, it's right. very expensive. So right. if you go into a nursing home, eventually you're not going to be able to pay for it. And so you're going to need to apply for Medicaid for the state to pay for your care. And if that happens and you own a home, you can't sell that home. Right. And when the person passes away who was receiving Medicaid, their heirs are going to get a letter from the state saying the state of Georgia paid 170000 for this person's care, and so we are asking to be repaid out of the estate. And let's say that person owned a house that was worth $300,000. They're not going to take the house, but they have a claim. Right. Just like any other creditor. And so the heirs can pay the state the amount that the person received in benefits, the 170000 which would have been more like 300000 private pay at least. Right. Because that's a reduced Medicaid rate. Right. So, so, so they can sell the house and pay it, and then they can split the re- what's left, and that's how it works. Right. Well, I, we appreciate that. That's that. So it just says you need to contact some people. It's uh, and 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 work on that. But with that, our uh, our time is up today for our final segment. I want to thank you, uh, Cynthia Gibson, for for uh, coming on. It's been very enlightening. I hope we have you on again. And remember. People out there, elder abuse doesn't report itself. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.